Though I've had many difficult patient encounters, this is the most rewarding job I've ever done. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to my podcast. Today is my second episode, so thank you all for being here. Welcome to Ask Allie, the Athletic Trainer. So my question for today that I received, actually from one of the patients that I've treated, is what is the most important thing that you do as an athletic trainer? And that is a loaded question, let's let's be honest, because there are so many important parts of my job. So today I'm basically going to break it down and explain the most important things that I do in my own opinion. And first thing I want to say is the most important thing that I do is avoid errors, like avoid medical errors and protect the patient's safety. And I think that just needs to be said before I break it down and get into any other important aspects of my job. So patient safety is definitely at the top of my list and not harming the patient. So I broke this down into five concepts. And the first concept is executing emergency action plans and providing emergency care. And so at the beginning of the school year, so the fall sports season, um, that is a time where I revise all my emergency action plans. So I do have one per each facility and I also have a mental health emergency action plan. So if a patient is showing signs of self-harm or suicidal um, thoughts or ideations, then that is a time where I would activate that emergency action plan. So the emergency action plans, they cover anywhere from opioid overdose to just a basic, you know, the patient's unconscious and we need to perform CPR. And so it's important to educate coaches, parents, other stakeholders, administrators, um, and involve them in the plan. And basically, at the very beginning of the season, I'll gather the coaches and we'll go over the emergency action plan because they obviously need to know their role. And so care is continuous. It's of the best quality possible and it's smooth. And But it's also fast because we know minutes can be Minutes and seconds can be seriously so important in determining the patient's outcome. So we want to move as fast as possible. And actually, I wanted to share with you all a experience I had this past football season. So as you know, or as you may not know, I am in my second year of practicing as a certified athletic trainer. So, you know, I graduated college in 2021. I'm relatively new to the profession. Um, and so I had, it was a middle school football game and I was watching from the sideline and thankfully EMS was on site. Um, they're really good about being on site for every middle school and high school football game. So shout out to the first responders. Um, so it was a football game and I see a patient goes down and I think they hit their head. Um, they either go head to head with an opponent or they just hit their head flat out on the ground. And so normally when a patient goes down on the field or on the court, I'll give them a second. So I'll give them a second, see if they're going to get up, see if they're okay. They're going to shake it off before, you know, I'm actually called onto the court or called onto the field, but I'm watching this individual and it's actually closer to our sideline. So I don't have to run all the way across the field. It's 
close proximity. And so I get to the patient and they're um, in and out of consciousness, not really knowing where they are, who they are, um, kind of struggled to tell me his name. And I was, you know, internally trying to stay calm, but I'm like freaking out. I mean, as we all would be. And so, you know, I'm asking the patient, do you feel your feet? Do you feel your toes? Can you wiggle your toes for me? So they're having numbness and tingling into their extremities and their strength is definitely um, not within normal limits. And so I'm super thankful that EMS basically saw the whole thing. And so one of them started coming out towards me with a stretcher and I didn't even have to call them on the walkie. I was like, this is perfect. You guys are awesome. Great timing. Um, overall, it was a great teamwork event. We removed the helmet, removed the chest pads, was able to get the patient onto the stretcher. And uh, thankfully that patient was okay. And there was no cervical spine uh, fracture. It was just a concussion, but you know, that really got my heart racing and and really, you don't know when situations like that can happen. So that's why having an athletic trainer on the field, on the sideline, or at your school is so important, so crucial um, to athlete safety. And so the second concept I kind of want to move into is rehabilitation. So as an athletic trainer, I'm able to create a care plan, create um, basically a home exercise plan, or whether that's in the clinic, or like I said, at home, and I incorporate evidence-based practice into my approach. And so evidence-based practice is a combination of three main things. It is the best available evidence that is published uh, within the literature, clinical experiences, and patient values and beliefs. And so all of these things I use to formulate a care plan when treating an individual. And so this even includes goal setting, and involving the patient's support system, whether that's parent guardians, friends, or any peers at school. And if it's a really difficult patient case, um, I can honestly say that I have a great network of athletic trainers that I work with that I can lean on and collaborate with in creating um, tr patient treatment care plans. So it's actually super important and helpful to ask for their input, input or point of view, um, say they've dealt with a similar patient experience or patient case, and I can basically piggyback off of what they did and what was successful in their clinical practice. So all of these things allow me to reduce errors in my clinical practice and basically lead to better patient outcomes. So I'm definitely grateful for those in my corner. Shout out to the athletic trainers at Franciscan Health that I work with. Um, the next concept would be to advocate for the patient. Um, I actually advocate to the patient to stakeholders, which include coaches, the patient's parent or guardian, um, because this is all part of patient-centered care, and I'm placing the patient at the center of their care and involving them in the decision-making process. So that's also really important. Usually when I'm treating patients, I'll say, okay, we have basically one of three options or maybe it's four, or maybe it's five, but the first one is always to do nothing. And you might be like, why are you telling the patient that they could do nothing? But <clears throat> there's a lot of value in putting the patient in the driver's seat and giving them literally every option necessary and the consequences of the choices. So basically saying you could do nothing and you could actually see this condition worsen over time. And that kind of 
explains to them the importance of why we want to do something. Um, so back to advocating for the patient. I, like I said, I work in the secondary school setting and oftentimes the patients in this age group do not know how to advocate for themselves. So that's where my role comes into play. Say a patient needs to see a physician because they have a suspected concussion. I do a concussion evaluation and I think that they might have a concussion. I have the responsibility then to educate the patient on their home care and what they need to do at home but also involving the parent or guardian on any red flags to look out for at home when an emergency visit would be necessary and why it is important not to participate in any physical activity until they are cleared by their primary care physician. So another concept I basically wanted to touch on kind of ties in hand in hand is that there are some patients in rural communities that have low health literacy. And so this might mean that there are a bunch of social determinants of health that also come into play, but say they have low health literacy. So it's really hard for them to understand how to intervene or when it's time to go see a doctor or you know, this can even come to understanding when to take medications, how to read a prescription or a, you know, a pill bottle even. So like I said, it means they may delay seeking care or be unable to recognize signs and symptoms of a disease or illness and its progression. And so as an athletic trainer, I'm able to educate the patients and advocate for why they can't participate inactivity, say it's the same concussion scenario, why they cannot participate in activity until they are cleared by the doctor. And when I'm explaining this, I'm kind of moving away from any medical jargon or things or words that they will not understand. I'm basically breaking it down and making it easy to understand for the patient and the guardian. And so Another example could even be the patient went to the doctor, but they don't understand why they need to take a specific medication or even when to take it. Um, and I think that establishing a relationship prior with the patient really opens the door to having them feel comfortable enough to ask me these questions and not to think, oh, I'm judging them in any way. Or I think that, you know, they are just unknowledgeable because that's not the case. I want to actually increase their knowledge at the end of the day and um, give them more of a responsibility to take ownership over their own health. And this will even transfer with them to the rest of their life. So it's really great that I get to start at the sixth grade level and kind of give them ownership of that. And another situation would be if a patient doesn't have insurance, I can advocate to a team physician for them that that is in my Franciscan network. And I can set something up with them in order to be cleared for that concussion if that was the case. And lastly, another important thing that I do is make healthcare easier to understand. So healthcare in the United States is confusing and it even is confusing for me sometimes. But Another important thing that I do is reduce overall healthcare costs. And for example, that includes emergency room visits. So say, imagine a situation where there was no athletic trainer at your school and say that there was a really bad ankle sprain that happened 
and the patient was taken to the emergency room and was seen for that ankle sprain, right? And there was no fracture. It was just an ankle sprain. That healthcare emergency room bill, I don't want to know how much it costs. I really don't. But I do know that it is expensive and it is seriously um, a financial, I don't want to use the word burden, but I kind of do at the same time. It's a financial burden to have to pay those bills every month because it's something that could have been completely avoided if you had an athletic trainer at that school. So for example, now you imagine the same scenario, but I'm there. And so the patient rolls her ankle and I'm able to determine it's a, you know, an ankle sprain, but I say I'm confident that there is no fracture. So as of this time, they're not going to the doctor. So I see them the next day. And I say, okay, it's swollen, but there's no discoloration. So let's start on some slight movement. Let's let's get it moving. You know, I'm educating them about resting, elevating, so that swelling can kind of get out of there, keeping it wrapped with a nice bandage or tape, using an overnight taping technique to reduce the swelling. And I'm able to then progress them from the immediate time of injury, say it takes them a week to gain full function, pass a functional test, and return to their sport with no limitations. And that's great. And I just saved that family probably thousands of dollars, if I'm being honest. So that's also part of part of how important it is to have an athletic trainer at your school. But also, say the patient does need to get in with a physician. A couple of days go by, we're seeing no progress. I can actually call up a physician get them in for a doctor's appointment within that week, have them go to the doctor. Maybe we're confirming that it's not broken or we are confirming it's broken because I'm not perfect and I don't have x-ray vision. And they come back and that's the sooner we can establish our plan of care. And so, like I said, working in the rural community, I'm able to bridge that gap of healthcare and If a patient doesn't have the insurance or doesn't have the resources to go see a doctor, I'm able to diagnose and treat them on the spot in their own school community, right? So they're not paying any out-of-pocket costs. And so working in the secondary school allows me to do this without having to take insurance or any forms of payment from the patient or parent and guardian. As you just heard, there are so many important parts of my job. To recap, the five concepts I discussed include emergency care, rehabilitation, patient advocacy and education, and reduction of healthcare costs. This is why every single day feels so rewarding when I can truly make a patient or parent's life easier in some way while also making a positive impact. I just wanted to shout out to all my listeners from my last episode. Thank you so much for your support. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode as well. And if you did, please share this with a few of your friends and continue to promote this podcast on social media. Thank you so much for being part of this journey. Have a great day. See ya.